Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm magician Nelson Lugo. Hi, I'm nerdcore rapper Shafer the Dark Lord. We're best friends who hate each other's guts. And we co-host the Epic Podcast. A monthly show in which we discuss comic books, video games, television, movies, our debilitating emotional problems, and Batman. So much Batman. That's the Epic Podcast on the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Be safe, Internet. Bye. Seriously, so much Batman. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Network, geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. It contains content that may not be suitable for all ages. Listener discretion is advised. All Nerdy Show podcasts are made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. Discover the many ways you can join in at nerdyshow.com. Welcome to episode 40 of RPG from Scratch. I'm Josh. I'm here with Liam today. Max is very busy. Can't make it right now. My nose isn't leaking. Oh, it's fixed now? It's two days on antibiotics and I'm not drippy. So last episode we talked about, you know, where, where we're looking for these paths going forward. And the one path that seems to be in danger of becoming the least focused is zealotry. Mm-hmm. Because of all the different things it could possibly do. Should stance dancing be the thing that they are become best at? Should we focus more on them being a bridge between melee and casting? Or should their attacks be so unique to them that they are their own thing? I think for abilities, stance dancing needs to be the mechanic we build them around for attacks. It's unique, it's interesting, and, and they get to be really powerful because there's that delay. We can be a little less afraid to make them really hit. So they get to feel cool, and, and, and it's definitely a, a specific type of player where, like, if you want the immediacy of a, of a champion or, a, you know, a pure caster doing big damage or even big heals and radiance, I like that Zealotry is, is always a turn behind, but that extra wind-up makes it punchier. Mm-hmm. And and we're trying to make it so that when it lands, it lands bigger. Yeah. Because you are, you should be rewarded for planning ahead. And you have to kind of roll twice to get stuff to happen. So for attacks, I think that's true. But I think for passive abilities, for utility stuff, we should be hitting the caster melee bridge. I mean, I do think that's what its role is in the ecosystem of paths. Mm -hmm. But it should exist and stand on its own. And and stance dancing is the way to do that. I think, because now, I think step six is a turning point, right? Uh, Specifically because... I think maybe step six onward is where we stop looking at them like they could be a bridge because now... Oh, you're now you're investing so you much into so Zealotry. Far, you're are, so far. Yeah. And if stance dancing is the way we do that, that's fine. And I, I, I do think maybe we should start thinking of what could be Zealotry's version of something like heraldry. Something that you'd really care about in the long term that would make... If you just went core all the way through Zealotry, mm-hmm. what would make you feel like this is this is a complete cohesive package, you know? The way that with fire, we don't even question. Yeah. Virtues. 
vir- can you explain what you mean? We could we could run a system of virtues where you you choose a vict- uh, a virtue, you get bonuses associated with it. Further steps you take down, the more that that virtue is established. And rather than make it like a paladin where there's things you can't do or you lose it, there's mm-hmm. things that you do do that you gain extra for. That it should reward certain behaviors based on the virtue that you picked. So kind of like playing off the aspects theme. Yeah. But a permanent boot boost. Mm-hmm. Okay. We could put a bunch down, but it could even be the concept of like thrift. That when you as a when you pick character moments and you you make the expedient option, you gain a bonus that lasts the rest of the day or just just stuff that cuz I like the idea of paladins or religious characters in games having a set of codes or moral ethics to abide by but rather than make it a thing that you can break to lose it should be a thing that you do that you gain a bonus for i like this concept i don't 100 percent know how to implement it without it with it feeling natural in the system but mm. no let's put that be in our bonnet I, I like that idea even if we end up using it somewhere else that sounds good for yeah. zealotry it's in the flavor without it feeling like a, mm. a dog collar and picking a permanent bonus might feel restrictive, but after five steps down this path, you got to know what you enjoy. Yeah. Or maybe not even what you enjoy. You could pick the thing of, this is the thing that's crippling my character. Yeah. This is the thing that's where every time this is what's keeping me f- from feeling effective. So it could be a, it could be a, a narrowing of the th- things that you do well, or it could be a band-aid on a, a character idea that just wasn't fully boiled. Yeah. This leads into one of the things that we talked about off mic. The idea that magical implements are good, but hands kind of stand out as being the obvious choice for everybody. You got a hand free. Nin was the only character who used a staff Mm -hmm. that we've played with so far that I can think of, right? Even Chuki used hands. and and Yeah, but it's also... I think part of it is that the... I think because it came up a couple of times, even in my campaign, where the staff would have been incredibly useful. But it's when you're presented with it and you, you aren't aware of the rule set... Hands just sort of make sense because it is the decision that isn't a decision. Right. It isn't a set of implements. You don't have to carry something. Yeah. Because, like, wands are dope. Wand is super good. Well, I think the problem, too, is how we're thinking about them visually affects how we view our characters, regardless of what the mechanics actually are. And I think a good way around this is to make the mechanics closer to that by being, um, I think, staffs should be one-handed. You can wield whatever you want in the other hand. You're not hitting somebody with it. No. You know, you can wield... You're channeling, yeah. Yeah. Wands are clearly one-handed, and if you use hands to cast, it's one-handed. You know, you can you, you can use either hand if you got a hand free, but this way, somebody who wants to cast and wield a rapier, you keep your hand free, it's fine. And if you want to wield a wand, that's a bonus as well. But I think where hands is a weakness is that you're probably not going to get a lot of artifacts that go with hands explicitly. It's more fun yeah. to get a one. Well, also, there's no penalty. Like, you don't have to choose hands as a character choice. No, you can just have them. Yeah, you can just pick up a wand or pick yeah. up a staff, you know? Or if you drop your staff, now you're using your hands. It's It doesn't change the fact that you're a mage. But and, we, and we haven't associated any abilities specifically with any of those things. None. It's just a, it's just a bonus on how it works. Just like weapons in our game. You don't have to pick a weapon. Mm. You don't have to pick a weapon that your character focuses on, which I... I think is overdone in video games. It's pro- I mean, it's not overdone in regards to how reality works, but I think in general, if you're playing a character, you like this one kind of weapon. Yeah. 
if you're playing a melee character, you like this one kind of weapon, so that's the one you're going to use, or, or that's the artifact you found, you know, without punishing you for, for being specific. But, I mean, that's definitely happened in a, a number of video games and a number of role-playing games where I make a character who uses a specific weapon, and then, okay, cool, uh, this generic longsword that dropped that has a magical enchantment on it or is unique or is this is so head and shoulders better than the thing that you've built your character around yeah. that it invalidates all of the choices that you made and even removing all the things you built into it, this thing is still better. Yep. And you're like, damn it. <laughs> you're just angry. You're like, guess I'm wielding a longsword. Great. Thanks, guys. Yep. Couldn't couldn't make it a kukri just, just for me? Oh, God. <laughs> Going for crits. <laughs> Going for a Gurkha, man. <laughs> I agree. I, I, I think that your character specializes in a weapon because you want them to. Yeah. That's it. That's the only reason. The mechanics don't have to. I mean, there's a realism aspect to it, but that's, I think, one of the easiest to drop just because it's... It's only limiting with no benefit. to the Yeah, to the narrative. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe we could later on be like, we could create like a, a sub-path that's yeah. like, you know, if you want to specialize in swords, you can you can do this, but... Or, yeah. or, or even maybe more importantly, this specific weapon. Yeah. You can't even change weapons. You don't you pick this one. This is the the one you have starting is the one you finish with. Fuck like a you. like a Kensai or yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah, so so Hans' weakness is that you're not going to be typically wielding a powerful artifact while you're casting with that hand. You're not going to be using it to cast in the way that you would pick up a wand or a staff that has a special secondary power. However, the benefit is you can grab something. You can pick something up with your open hand and throw it at somebody. You can slap somebody. Like those are <laughs> those are all things you can't do with a wand. You can do a few of them with a the staff. But since we changed opportunity attacks to be if you're dual wielding, you get an extra one per round, but not against the same target mm-hmm. or against the same provoking action, then I feel like that's an easy way to bring hands in line with the other implements. Because right now I think they're a little better uh, by just saying that if you are using a two-handed weapon and you take your hand off of it, you can't make opportunity attacks with that two-handed weapon uh, until your turn starts again. And that doesn't matter. That doesn't change anything. Commands doing. Command can tell you. Is hands better? Like I think it is. Yeah. Eh. Well, it, it is because of all of the versatility it gives you. At any time, Esmond doesn't have to drop anything to grab somebody. Or yeah, but it's also that's also a situation of if that ever happened. I am already two weeks down shit creek. Like, yeah. I, I don't think hands are any better. I think the reason why why hands are the easy pick is again not a choice. And bonus to hit is always just oh yeah. So like that's a situation of because again the less familiar you are with you are with the system, the more bonus to hit is attractive. Yeah. Well, I think it's bonus to hit might be the strongest buff, except in the very specific situations that it's of not armor <laughs> yeah yeah well and if you're building around crit mm. you know because uh because what if you're if you're scoundrel i think was it step um step five scoundrel wands crit on a one two and a 20 then it would immediately be better than hands no matter what mm, not necessarily no because it would have the maximum bonus that hands get forever there's no wind up you don't lose it and you do Dam- and then you do max damage on it on extra ones. How how do you mean it 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 has the the max to hit that hands do? It's two. It crits on a one uh, a twenty. Oh, you mean because it, it it shores up the bottom end? Yeah, that's that. Yeah, crits on extra ones count as plus ones as well mechanically. Yeah, that makes sense. 
yeah, maybe there's something we can use for hands later. Because if you think of the gelt process of elimination, mm-hmm. very powerful. Very. You miss, and you get a plus one to your next attack. Now, granted, it seems like you would, if you're trying to land a huge wind-up, you would, you would miss, 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 and then to get the, the definite attack. However, counting you, on that is insane. But also, it's just insane to miss. Th- like, that's yeah. such an opportunity cost. That it wouldn't be worth it. You would never plan to do that. No. Process of elimination is to shore up a character who misses, not to yes to, tr- to purposefully bank on it. Because, yeah, no matter how big that next attack is, you'd probably rather hit three times. Yeah, exactly. Because you would have been useful all those three yeah. times. Yeah, it would have had an effect on the board state. But no. that's only for rogues, so it doesn't yeah, it, scoundrels. So it's, it's a, that's a specific That's funny, now build. that I was thinking, I was like, oh, yeah, that's just, yeah. For, that's just for scoundrels. Okay. That would be a fun build, though. It would be a super fun build. <laughs> also, a, a scoundrel wizard sounds fun. Sounds like all wizards, if you ask me. <laughs> I don't think that's true, but all right. So automatically, if you make the change, they take your hand off your two-handed weapon. Mm-hmm. You can't, you can't make it the opportunity attacks. I think that's an opportunity cost. Everybody will be very comfortable making. Yeah, if, if you're a versatile caster who wields a two-handed weapon, mm-hmm. yeah, that mm-hmm. works. And that's a reason to go zealotry yeah because you, you, you can use all weapons as all melee weapons as staves uh when casting spells and i was thinking something we could give them something where we're giving ice a golem and we're giving death un, an undead horde mm-hmm. basically and we gave fire the fire orbs mm-hmm. what about zealotry having like ghostly weapons yeah. like you can maintain one at a time as long as you stay in the stance yeah it, uh, we already have ice weapons. We have fire giving fire oh, weapons. I mean, it's independent of you. Even then, eh. What if it's one stance, like one daily? As long as you're in the stance, you just have an extra one that makes extra basic melee attacks. I'd rather him just be granted extra basic melee attacks in that stance. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I, I don't I don't really see Zealotry as, as a conduit for constructs or, or extra. I, I see the, the Zealot focusing themselves into the mm-hmm. weapon. Interesting, because I think because they also work as ranged weapons. So I mean, like the idea of a zealot shooting a bow and then stepping sideways, and a bow's like a ghostly bow's floating in the air and shooting with them yeah. sounds kind of cool. But it's ghost like ghostly. I don't. Was they casting magic? They're 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 casting heals. They uh they they have radiant like they've got all, they've got all these like forms they can change and become aspects of things. But I see it directly connected to them. Real like I really mm. again I see it as as being. A battery of forward momentum in combat, so not maybe, something that yeah creates something else outside of themselves. Well, yeah, okay. So what if what if it was internal and they like almost like Shiva, like grow extra arms and oh, I would I would say they just be haste function would yeah. work. I think haste is if anybody is going to get haste, it gain, should be gel, yeah, gain should haste be and zealotry. grant haste. It's zealotry. Zealotry, yeah. I think that's cool. I also just like the idea of them taking on aspects. You know, yeah. like like. But that's that's like the image of them growing extra arms is cool. Even if they're just like I don't know, that's thinking ghostly or ephemeral or something. But just they're there, maybe attached to their body, just doing extra stuff while they're I like fighting. That. that I like more, way more. Yeah, and then like growing, like same thing with wings or something like that. Wings would be dope. Wings too. would be pretty cool. Isn't but isn't a stance's core? Aspects are core, but there could be a daily stance. Oh, okay, you know? yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, could you could you stack aspects and st- Oh, I love this. If your core is eligible. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I'd be super haste. <laughs> Just the fastest motherfucker with two hands. Yeah. Or four arms. Who knows how many arms? Maybe you roll a die to see how many extra you get. <laughs> well, it also could be Tectonia, so you get six. Yeah. 
I like that. Now, we have no established difficulties for rituals. When we first brought up the idea of rituals, we... You know, I, I I floated the idea of having a dramatically difficult ritual, and then each implement or each thing you complete reduces its difficulty. Mm-hmm. And then the more we talked about it, the more we're like, that's just so unmanageable. How do we know what's too much? People can always spend momentum. What's and then we thought, well, maybe you have to spend momentum on rituals to cast them at all. That seems a little punishing in the long run. Well, it's also a situation of this ritual has now become trivial for me. Yeah, as a as a high path character, but I still have to spend momentum that is now just as precious as it's always been. Yeah, but I do like the idea of momentum cost being associated with DC difficulty. So you probably have to spend it to do something big or mm-hmm. cool, and the idea of trying it without putting momentum behind it seems like a huge gamble. Yeah, and how we manage that, I think, is we we gave them all cooldowns, right? So like or casting times where I'm not talking about the way you in world of Warcraft have a casting time of 3.1 seconds with Mm -hmm. a, with a progress bar. I mean like the idea that you would hours and days and yeah, you have to bury this thing for two days and then you come back to it and you know, that kind of thing. And if you fail, it's, that's a huge investment of your time. Yeah, that sucks. But I think that's, that's a good incentive to spend momentum. So as far as difficulties go, we can use the base difficulties that we have been using. Mm-hmm. But right now, what we have said is that you have to discover rituals. Yes. And we talked about rituals being illegal, forbidden, that kind of thing. You start an adventuring party. How many rituals should your party expect to know? Ooh, I think that's interesting. It should be based on the amount of party members, because even non-casters could mm-hmm. know battle chants and all sorts of little strange rituals. Yeah. Should casters get bonus ones? I don't think so. Because I think body magic doesn't mean doesn't, you're a scholar. Yeah. No, it definitely doesn't. Yeah. If your profession is scholar, should you get a bo- should you get a bonus one? I don't think so. I think if you are a scholar in a place where you're likely to discover a ritual, it should be easier. You will roll your scholar, yeah. you know, to, to to be able to suss Ooh. it out. Okay, well, you know, we don't have a, a whole lot of RNG in our characters. Mm-hmm. I think this would be a fun place to put it because it might matter and it might not. I was thinking, what about just one per character? And your character might not even be the one who knows it. You know, like if you if there's four people in your party, there's four rituals, and you don't know who brought all of them, right? It, and if your character is the scholar, maybe. He had he brought the two. Yeah. Okay. And they they can only be of a certain level. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the ritual oh yeah, has you're to not yeah. a um, low level. And then you just you, I I want a little I want a little bit of randomness. I want there to po- be a possibility of a bonus. I just want it to be very narrow. I would like if you have if you have four party members, you might quite possibly if if everything goes perfect have two bonus rituals. So you could have like you know half of the the tier zero garbage things that you get to like discover the direction with what if it's a choice you have to make you have to give something up no what if it's every group Mm -hmm. no matter the party size starts with three rituals all right you get to pick them the dm no 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 the 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 party gets to agree okay or you get five rituals and they're randomly chosen okay (sighs) that's it's still complicated i think one per person is so fat like so easy i would like how about this one per person, mm-hmm. the group gets to choose. Plus one, 
GM gets to choose. But it's it's the one that they know. The GM can just give them a ritual at any yeah. time. Okay, you're you know? right. I just thought that'd be a fun way to to put in some context mm-hmm. in a mechanical way that doesn't feel so broadcast. Yeah. They're like, oh, you got you gave us a thing to get rid of poisons. Okay. I almost think one per person is still, I think, pretty high. That's all. That's enough. More because well, we don't we don't have a lot, and they do. They're very different than yeah than D and D is. Like We're going to have a lot more. I think. In fact, I think it's going to. I really feel like with our rituals, unlike a lot of of spells and uh, ritual casting and other and other systems, I think it's going to be more of a skyscraper where there's probably going to be twenty to twenty five rituals in each casting tier. Because we're going to think of, of little dumb things to add to all of them all of the time. If you think that's a lot, 20 to 25, you have not looked at Pathfinder's no, spells I, recently. No, I, I have. <laughs> but also, the whole thing is, that's that was over the course of 15 years of yeah, building sure, them up. Sure, Like, I think the, the in the core, though, there's like 10. No, there's a lot more. Like 10, oh, 10 tier 0 ones. 10, 10 you could start out oh, with. Oh, per... Um, yeah. Yeah, per... Per, path, per, yeah. per cat per class yes i'm saying we could make 25 per per tier mm-hmm. pretty easily and just some of it's just doing dumb stuff like there's a lot of things that if we sat down and had a two-hour meeting of pitch a bunch of ritual ideas mm-hmm. we could get 30 sure in, in two hour period we not mechanically sound but definitely enough ideas yeah the idea of stuff like you know animal messenger type water rituals. breathing yeah Purify well, like water. We already we have a, a a section of them done, but there's definitely if we started really going to the mat, we could start pulling a whole bunch of stuff. Sure. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. And in-game, how do you discover rituals? Are they written down in scrolls, like in classic things? Does somebody have to tell you? Does somebody have to teach you? Because a ritual Both. is a fit. So if you find a spell in a scroll, mm-hmm. in a lot of fantasy, not all of it, but a lot of fantasy, you just read it and 
the spell happens, including spell no. books. You know, in, in, in that can't be the way it happens, right? But in spell, you read the spell in a spell book, and even if you don't know what it means, sometimes the spell happens. No. But in ours, like a rit- the fact that we're calling them rituals and not spells means that there's a performance. Yes, part of this. I think, or at least the thing that I always associated with it is like learning a song, mm-hmm. where a song that you've heard before is easier to figure out. Mm-hmm. You can read them if you know how to read music, or even just tablature. You can sit down and figure out a song. Sure, but the best way to learn it would be have to have someone to show you. Yeah, they would be in scrolls just because that's a common way of writing things. That would be a way. The to... scrolls themselves aren't magical. No, that's how you store information. Yeah, they'd be in books and scrolls only because that's where you would write things down. You could meet an old witch, and she would tell you how to perform one. There might be a situation where someone could write something down magically so that it could somehow convey more that's a ritual information to you that would be a ritual that you would have to do to purposefully you would have to want to purposely write something down that way to teach someone after you know you're going to be dead right you need to know this ritual or this thing or this spell or this idea (laughs) you read to to read this scroll and you're neo from the matrix waking up going i know kung fu yeah or even like i know kung fu and i know why i have to know it something terrible is going to happen yeah only i don't think they should be one-time use either though because that seems just short-sighted. <laughs> well, there's a bunch. Maybe there's a bunch. Yeah. Right? There's one-time use. There's level of complexity. There's... Some of it could just be basic information or even like a language, just the basics of a language. Sure. You could read it and you're like, I know conversational this dead language. <laughs> Sentian. Esperanto. So our, our basic difficulties for things are already set. We're doing them in tiers of mm-hmm. five. I think that's fair. The ritual's difficulty is only one kind of limiting factor we can yeah. put on. Time mm-hmm. is... That's a big one. Material. Uh, access to materials, it's another big one. So I think rituals shouldn't be baseline harder than doing any physical task. No. Unless that ritual is. Yeah. But even even in that situation, the difficult things about rituals, I don't think should be the mechanics or the material. That should be the thing that feels very ordinary. Mm-hmm. The thing that should be limiting is the amount of yourself you have to put it to get over things like distance time Mm -hmm. even just knowing specifically or having been to the place that you want to go do the thing should make it a little easier a little harder that it's the intangible kind of um more situational more narrative things Mm -hmm. that should drive the difficulty but they will be specific to each ritual yeah yeah okay and that will have to you'll have to make decisions based on that of like hey if we go into enemy territory where it's closer this will be easier to pull off but we might get attacked while we're doing it. Or we might get detected because we'll be close enough to do this. It should, at that point, it should be a lot about decision-making mm. and, and ability. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's get, into, let's get into our homework. Let's make up some, a monster, an artifact, and a ritual or a potion. Didn't I make casting bracers last time? I th- don't remember. Let me check. Because I know that was one of the ideas that I had. Because well, I specifically yeah. wanted to give casters something for being hand <laughs> mages. So I gave them bracers, I think. But I don't, rem- I don't remember if I just thought it up or... The last ones we have were the unwinding eye, which can be used to peer into the past for one hour, which you guys got in Leyliners. It's that, that big thing that you bought from Paz. Oh, I'm... I didn't buy it. <laughs> <laughs> you committed the most money to it. Did I? Yeah. I don't remember. Uh, I was just flirting with her. The wilting orb, where any plant matter that comes into contact with it starts to wither. Mm-hmm bell ringer it's the hammer Mm. it stuns the target all right so you're thinking a pair of bangles or bracers or straight up bracers just to make uh, hand casting better how would would you make it better oh all that it would do is it would just um 
it would allow you to extend your plus one bonus wind up one extra turn. Hmm. So you would you'd cast once, hit, get your plus one. You cast twice, hit, get your plus two. The next one you miss, your plus two remains. Okay. You get one extra turn of fuck up to keep the motion going. That's solid. That'd be a good early one to get. Yeah. Just battle caster bracers. The flavor of it would be something that... Rhythm. Yeah, like rhythm, tempo, something with drum. You know, like beat. Beat's a good one. Yeah, like beat. Offbeat bracers. That's good, too. You know, it's really the notes you're not playing. Just jazz. (laughs) Yeah, jazz bracers. Jazz hands. Jazz bracers sounds like a way to get high. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you got those jazz bracers? What up? Or even just like the idea of like second chance gloves. But you're going to do it a lot. That's yeah. the thing, right? Like you you miss a lot and you're like, oh, I'll just get the next one. Heartbeat. Mm. Groove. Cadence. I like cadence. cadence. Cuff. Cuff is good. Maybe cadence could be a subset of items. Mm. Yeah. Well, we could we could deal with that after we've got this yeah. one. Yeah. That's, yeah. C- cadence possibly. cuffs. Cadence cuffs is good. Bangle. Cadence yeah. bangles. Or just the cadence bangle. You wear one. Yeah. I like that. Bangle's fun. I like cuff better. You like alliteration? Always, if I can. Brooch. Wristlet? <laughs> no. Barrette. You put a barrette in your hair. <laughs> no. Band is good, too. Band is good. Yeah. All right, I like that one. I was thinking about something that keeps people from casting spells. Okay. Maybe, um, well, not cuffs, because we already got those. <laughs> Maybe um, something you would use on a prisoner with magic, because you've okay. already taken their weapons away. Yeah. You know what I mean? Would you put a like a helmet on them, or uh... mm, where is body magic extruded from? Because I feel like even if you had your hand cut off, mm-hmm. you could still cast with the stump. It's not about the right. appendage. That's true. I think it's got to be something he- like on the chest, probably. But I think you cast with your mind, right? So maybe maybe just something close to both. Maybe maybe a a, a collar. I like it. Yes. It separates. It separates mind from body. from the reservoir. Yeah. yeah okay. Oh wow. So I, I heard this recently. Someone was like, "Oh man, I have a mind made a body, in a, <laughs> in a body that's nothing without my mind. What a terrible situation." <laughs> Cadence cuffs. Uh, so maybe something like a severing or you're, you're cutting off supply. What would mm-hmm. what would you call a dam? Magic dam sounds like something you'd use in the bedroom. Or something that nobody would ever use, but something that's made for it. Yes. Disrupting collar. Disrupting like. collar works. Yeah. Okay. Simple. All right. Yeah, just also, to- I feel like there would almost be need to be a fairly common name, because if you worked for a government organization that had to deal with mages or adventures, you'd probably have one or two lying around, if you could. Well, maybe it's... Well, I think that the idea that somebody would be good enough at magic for it to matter, and then be a criminal, would mm-hmm. be... You, you like Bad you might news. have to be like we have to beat this guy down and just kill him. <laughs> we just have to kill him, yeah. Because otherwise, because we we don't have time to get one of the disrupting callers from the next town yeah. over to deal with this guy. But a big city would have a couple, probably. Okay, and even those people probably would willingly put them. Like if you went to trial, you'd have to put one on, even as just a regular mage. Mm-hmm. Just in the courtroom, they'd be like, mm, "No, you got to wear that." Yeah, you'd be like, "Yeah, no, I got it." Now let's do a monster, huh? I want to do one more thing. Let's make an artifact up right now just between the two of us. Okay. What's a what's a thing that who's not giving enough love right now? Who's a who's a, a class combination or a or, or a path that feels like it isn't getting Oh, you know what? Here's a fun idea. Okay. A shield. 
A shield would be cool. Shield of the Three Cities. Here's okay. what it does. It grants the guff phalanx bonus to whoever wields it. If you are a guff, it adds one. Okay. Maybe if you are a guff, it grants it to you. Ooh, I like even better. The Three Cities. Okay. One I second. felt like Citadel wasn't getting enough love. Okay. Well, how about we haven't focused on the Gelt's litigious nature okay. in a long time. We did the ink that where you couldn't lie. Mm-hmm. What would you What would you wish you had if you were a lawyer? Uh, you'd want ans- You'd want truthful uh, answers to all the questions you plan on asking. You'd want You'd want a way to make your client incapable of talking to the police. Nice. Oh, just shut him up. Yeah, something like that. Just incapable of talking. <laughs> or some way for you to intervene, right? Like, <laughs> like if your lawyer could be a speaker box on your shoulder, that when a cop's like, hey, I just got some questions about that, they'd be like, don't say anything. anything. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? You're not in his court of law. Don't speak. That could be cool. That's a little jokey, though. What about a uh, an object or a ritual that when you make a compact with it, adds extra stakes? Okay. Like, um... You write you write this contract on the on this in this specific way, and if you if you fail to fulfill it, something bad happens to you. Yeah, this is like a, a pact. Yeah, though I, I think there's there's going to be a lot of rituals that are that. I'm I'm thinking of like an artifact. Okay, you know what I mean? Like like some some kind of artifact that you could, if you were a lawyer, you would just you would kill for. Oh, how about this? Mm-hmm. You have a pen. Mm-hmm. You give it to somebody to write with. When they give it back, you can set it to paper again, and it copies whatever it just wrote. I love that. All right, let's do that. That's. Um, I don't know why that came to mind, but that's a cool idea. Yeah. Uh, An automated forger's quill. But it's not even a forgery because it's still them writing it. But it is, I mean, you're forging a yeah. document. Yeah. You would make it write it and then just copy the signature at the end. Mm. Something like with the word cycle in it. You know what I mean? Like a cycling pen. Or- it would be like a key logger. Yeah. Like sequencing pen or something like that. The rewrite. Because maybe you would use it for copying multiple books. You write a book. That's why it was invented. Definitely. A hundred percent why it was invented. (laughs) That is not why it is used nefariously. Just copy your squill. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Dude, if that was was in a fantasy novel, that could be such a cool narrative hook. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just the copier's quill. Oh, you can borrow my pen. So what I've got is uh, copier's quill can be commanded to record whatever is written with it. And when a command word is spoken, reproduces everything it wrote since the last time it was activated. That's simple. Yep. Okay. Copier's quill. That's a good one. I like that one. That's a good one. I like that one that, a lot. That is so useful and in, in so many different ways. Like you would do it if you're um, trying to s- send messages and, you know, and, and you're, you're stuck in prison. You're like, I just need to write a letter or whatever. And like, well, they're not giving you anything. Well, here. Oh, this pen's not working. Can you give it to so-and-so? Oh, he let me borrow it. Yeah. Stuff like that. Or, or just like someone needs to like, oh, you could use my pen. All right, and uh, let's come up with a monster now. All right. Maybe something, just something you would run into. Do we think, we're in cities now. Mm-hmm. Is there a kind of monster that you would, you try to, it's hard to get out of cities? Monsters in cities. The easy ones to go to are like things in the sewers, but yeah. I, don't, I don't think our sewer systems are complicated enough no. to house these monsters. Not here, at least. Not in not yeah. in the seaside. You just... But also, like, if you go to a, if we say, like, the biggest city we have is Israelion, right? Mm-hmm. Or not Israelion, sorry, is Akinosh. Yes. There's no portion of the sewer that's unattended. Yeah. It's not, you know, you know what I mean? It's, it, it, people are down there constantly making sure everything works right because the whole city runs through a river, you yeah. know? Like, so, about things like ghosts. Nighttime beasts. 
vampire-like things. Mm -hmm. Maybe some kind of flying creature that you have to burn certain fragrances to keep away. That's not... Travelers don't die to it typically, but they're a pain in the ass. Like rats, you know what I mean? Like a Minoc. What's a Minoc? Minoc's from Star Wars. Okay. Yeah, the idea of rats, because rats flock to cities, right? Yep. So what's something that could get out of hand like if you find a big nest of them it's a it's a problem because they grow larger and larger and larger or something like that and they'll um, only they'll only grow lo- like they'll only be able to do that the way that rats do in like large yes. uh, cities i would like fungal spore creatures that do this okay yeah some kind of fungus that oh what if it's a fungus that grows on most things and then it just gets out of hand sometimes i i'm not even thinking a fungus i'm thinking it makes little fungus creatures and you find the nest and the nest is Oh, yeah. A fungal area. And the only reason you would ever know it existed is if its children start. Or maybe the nest itself is a creature. Yeah. It becomes one. Yeah. Okay. I like that idea. And definitely something that could happen in an urban area. Is it bioluminescent? Yes, because that's cool. Yeah. Like you would yeah. see, you would typically see traces of like bioluminescence down there, and you're like, we got to clean this before it gets out of hand. Yeah. <laughs> like that would be. That could be cool. Um, and it, and this exi- like the whole thing is this fungus exists out in the regular world. It's just it's never allowed to get that big. Yeah, like well maybe in a cave. Yeah, but even then there there are other things that probably live in there that right. would, that would feed on it or that you keep out. And it would be hard for it to get enough food. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in a city where it's just there's no other natural predators, it just grows. What would you? I like the idea of like it being called like moss or something like that. Just some kind of, well, I guess moss isn't a fungus, but it could be a moss or a fungus. It doesn't yeah. like crypt moss or something like that, yeah. where it's just it gets so bad or some. They just call it walking moss. Yeah, like it's just why is it called walking moss? If it gets too much, man, it'll start walking. What is the creature walking moss becomes? Because there should be the you're getting walking moss, and then even it could be called walking moss when it's a smaller, medium sized creature. I want. One step bigger. I want the the queen. Basically. Yeah, the the the. I want and I want that to be a specific thing. I want the tier three. Sure. Walking moss. It's a moss. You just call it a moss king, like a rat king. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, let's call it a moss king. Yeah, that's fine. Not everything needs to be clever. Moss king. That's yeah. fine. Yeah, I like that. It's a. It's just a big mess of moss that now can sense you and move towards you, and it's a creature now. And it wasn't until you let this get out of hand. And it doesn't want to be alive either. <laughs> maybe it does. Like, maybe this is what it normally is. It just never gets to gestate it, that long? Yeah, because because just maybe something made it years ago and it thrived, and then just something changed in the atmosphere, and it's hard for it to have the same kind of dominance. Or the other species rose, or its habitat shrank. Or... Yeah. yeah, okay, I like that. Walking moss. And then, let's see. Let's just do a ritual or a potion. All right. What about a potion that makes you... You can mix to make somebody see everyone as an enemy or everyone as a friend. Okay. Call it like the the draft the dra- draft of friend and foe. Um, maybe like the temperature you cook it at determines which one's it, which Ooh, one I becomes. Like that. Or the time since it's been made. Oh, so it sours. Yeah. Ugh, that's rough. But that could be if you're trying to make it turn into a foe potion. You'd be like, we got to wait for this one to simmer down. Yeah, I like the word sour, but just betraying potion because you can give it to somebody to make them think you're your friend so they'll betray somebody and then the potion betrays that yes to become a okay something like that all right betraying potion and 
if you wait two days after it was made, it sours. It sours, and they view everyone as an enemy. And then we'll come into rules on how long it takes to make and how rare the ingredients are and stuff like that. Because that sounds very powerful. Very. Okay, I like that. And I think that does it for today. I think that's quite a lot we chewed through. That was a big, yeah. All right, cool. Well, that's where we're going to wrap it up today. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If the game we're making sounds interesting to you, check us out at patreon.com slash RPGFS. $1 patrons get access to the cutting room floor, where all of the off-topic comedy that was cut out of episodes is curated for your enjoyment. $2 patrons get the updated character sheets that they can use to make their own characters in our system. $5 patrons get access to every rulebook we release as we update them. $10 patrons get to create custom NPCs for use in our actual play podcast, Layliners. Also, if you enjoy the show, please rate and review us on Podchaser and Apple Podcasts. Every review helps. If you want to reach out to us with your gameplay ideas, please comment on our Patreon or tag us on Twitter. We are at Homebrew Ombres. Thank you all again, and until next time, stay safe, stand watch, and get a full rest. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.